Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. We are starting a new series, um, and the series is called The Underdog. And the underdog's name is Elijah. Uh, it's it's a uh, man. If you want to go read a fantastic, just a fantastic life, it starts in First Kings chapter seventeen. Start reading from. Actually, if you want to start read, start to read from First Kings fourteen and read from there onwards. Because, man, the life of Elijah is an amazing, an amazing life. Um, and I just feel it's so relevant for us right now. I bet you can just give it just like that. I'll just use it without it, no problem. Thank you. And why I chose the life of Elijah specifically for us is because I feel what Elijah went through during that time is so similar to what we are going through in the world right now. Um, I pray before every series, before every message. Um, I, I spend a lot of time with God asking Him what He wants to communicate to us as His body. And I really feel for the time that we are in and the time that we're entering into, God's message for us is the same message that Elijah had. Now, those of you that don't know who Elijah was, I'm going to give you some insight. Um, Elijah was a prophet in Israel. He lived in the ninth century uh, in BC, uh, before Christ, not in BC. Um, he appears in, in the Hebrew Bible. He appears in the Baha'i Scripture. He's also in the Mishnah. He's in the New Testament, and he's also in the Quran. Now, some of you don't know what those other books and, and, and words are. Um, those are all historical documents that are authenticated that speaks about Elijah as a prophet. He's not a made-up person. He's a real person in history. Um, he is the most famous prophet of the Jewish nation. In the New Testament, when Jesus went up to the Mount of Transfiguration, he took uh, Peter and John and James with him up to the mountain. And it said, as they were at the top, um, Moses and Elijah appeared to them. Moses is a representation of the law, and Elijah is a representation of the prophetic and the prophets. So Elijah was very um, highly esteemed by the Jewish nation. Now, I do feel what, what we are experiencing today in the world. Um, Man, if, if we can go back in time, I almost feel that, that, that what's happening in the times of Elijah is, is so similar to what we are going through. Um, you, you might not see the, the relevance in regards to kings and to the way their structures work, but I think that the sins of the nations of that time and the sin of the nations this time are so similar. So we're looking at the, the life of Elijah with the purpose. We want to discover the supernatural. Because Elijah served God and there were supernatural things that happened um, during his time. And we're going to look at that. So Elijah's name means Yahweh is God. Yahweh is God. So what we know about Elijah is his parents were Christian also. Not Christian, Jewish. Um, they served God. So, so we know something about his family. Now, when does Elijah appear? The first time we hear anything about him is in 1 Kings 17. There's no reference about how he grew up, about where he lived, anything before the time. The first time we hear anything about him, and it says in 1 Kings 17 verse 1, now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead. This is where he, where he came from, Tishbe in Gilead. Now, prophets like Elijah, he showed up 
on, or they would usually show up on the scene um, when there was like a spiritual issue. There was something spiritually happening. And God's people needed to be addressed by a prophet. Now, a prophet means prophetic, means to speak the word of God. So these prophets, they were assigned to bring God's message to the people. And it's usually in the times of a spiritual decline. The situation for Elijah, where he came to the scene, why God is calling him out to come speak to people, we see it in 1 Kings 16. So in 1 Kings 16, this is what's going on. Verse 32, first Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did, listen to this, more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any other kings of Israel before him. Isn't that something to be known for? Man, you made God angry more than anybody else. That's not a good thing. So the context that Elijah is brought onto the scene, why he's appearing, is idolatry. What happened was Ahad, the, the king, he decides, listen, um, I'm going to start worshiping Baal. And not just Baal, I'm going to actually worship Baal's girlfriend also, Asherah. And the two gods together were known as the god of fertility. So they were worshiping Baal and Asherah because what they wanted is they wanted the land to produce more fruit. Um, they want more crops. They want their harvests to be bigger. They want the nation to advance financially. So they started worshiping Baal and Asherah. And, and these two were known as the idol of fertility. Everybody say idol. Idol, good. Now, let's define an idol. Because how would you know if you have one, if you don't know what it is. Okay, here's the definition of an idol. An idol is an unauthorized noun. Who knows what a noun is? Anybody? Yes, good. Let's thank you very much, Lani. So a, a noun is what? A person, place, or thing. So an idol is an unauthorized person, place, or thing that you depend on. That's an idol. You depend on them. You look towards them to meet your need. You want that idol to do something for you. We know in the past people worshipped idols like they would worship the sun and they would worship the moon, they worship the stars, Mother Earth, they worship water. There were all these different kinds of fertility, you know, these gods, um, golden calves and cows and stuff like that. And, and all this worship, the goal of the worship of these idols, what they had um, in common was they wanted that idol to produce something positive in their lives. They wanted that idol to do something for them. Now, we don't worship those kinds of idols anymore. We are way more sophisticated. We, we know a golden calf isn't going to do anything for us unless we sell it. They can do quite a lot for us. But we worship world idols, political idols. We want them to do something for us. Can you think of anybody? Um, 
Is there anybody that might pop to your mind? Like um, power idols. Right now, I think probably the biggest idol in the world, science. Science, it's recently become a very powerful idol for people. We worship at the altar of science. Now, please hear me. I love science. I love it. I love it. I love it. The, The reason I love science is because in all of the existence of science, it has only achieved the ability to prove God is real. It's never been able to prove the opposite. I love science. I'm for science. But for many, science is their new Lord. We will follow the science. No, no, we won't. We will follow God. Science is not God. Now, please hear me again. I am not against science. I am for it. But I do not worship at the altar of science. And we shouldn't as a body. We also worship popular people. We worship people with power, people with prestige, people who have a lot of possessions who might be able to meet our needs. We worship people who push us the same agendas as the ones that lines up with our opinions. Suddenly they become our idols. Those are the people that we really support. It can be an actress, it can be a political leader, it can be a news channel, it can be a bank account, it can be houses, it can be a convoy. Sorry, I just slipped out. Listen, I want want you to hear me. I am in support of of the the principle of saying that we are for freedom. But a convoy should not become an idol. We don't depend on a convoy for what God has to do in our lives. Our dependence is on God. So let me ask this question. Are there any idolaters in the house? Because here's the thing about idolatry. I want you, now remember last week we spoke about the, the, the key, the master key in our lives to bring change is repentance. If you want to change anything in your life, it's repentance. Meaning let's align our lives back up to the way God and what God says about situations. So, so the master key, if, if you figured this out, um, God is against idolatry. Which means we have to place Him first, make Him first. Now it says idolatry ticked God off to the extent where King Ahab, God liked him less than any other king before him. And there were some bad ones. Idolatry irritates God. It made him angry. God was upset that they were looking to other things to meet their needs. Jeroboam. Boam, Jeroboam, anyway, that guy's name. I can't get his name out right now. It's, it's on my tongue. So, so this guy was king, and he was the first king when Israel split into two. They were split into two. They were two different kingdoms. And he was the first king of the kingdom of the north. And he said, it sounds like, um, uh, what's the kingdom of the north? Um, Game of Thrones, thank you very much. Uh, so he was the first king of the kingdom of the north. Um, and, and he actually said to them, listen, no, we're not going to go to Jerusalem anymore. We're not going to do pilgrimages anymore. We're going to set up our own idols. And, and God's promise to, to him was the following. If you follow me, I will be with you in the same way that I was with David. I will give you a legacy that no one will forget. 
So what, he, what did he do? He decided, I'm going to build idols and I'm not going to follow the God's direction. And it says God despised him. And he said that your, your um, legacy, the people, the ones that come behind you, their bodies will be eaten on the streets by dogs and birds. That is how much God hates idols. That's pretty extreme. Now, Elijah, let's read about him again. Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, listen to this prophet that just shows up. As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. He's like, hey, Ahab, God told me to tell you Heaven is going to close up. Things are going to dry up. There's going to be no dew. And not just for a week, and not just for, for a month, or just for a season, until I say so. There's going to be a downturn in fertility. This idol God that you set up, this, this, these two gods, Baal and Asherah, the couple that you're worshiping, the ones that you are depending on for your fertility in the land, for your prosper. I'm going to shut them down. If you've placed your dependence on them, I'm going to shut them down. Because I shut things down. Your idols can't do anything for you. If I say no rain, no rain. If I say no breakthrough, no breakthrough. And it's not because I don't want you to have a breakthrough. It's because where your dependence is who you are depending on during this time, during this season. If I am not the source, what you are depending on, what organization, if you think that's going to bring you your outcome, I'll shut that down. Because your dependence is supposed to be on me. You won't have food, you won't have crops, no rain, no growth, nothing. Now please hear me, God is not fighting against you. God is for you. He is fighting against your illegitimate dependence on idols. It's wrong. So, so to let you know who the real God is and to let you know that the idols that you are worshiping is powerless, I am going to no longer provide because I'm the one that's providing the rain. You are worshiping Asherah and Baal for it and you're thinking they're the ones that's supplying it? No, I'm no longer going to provide that way. So he tells Ahab this. Now before, uh, he says to, to, to Ahab, listen, it's not going to rain. Now before we move on, I want you to just to get this straight. The idols in your life will be attacked by God. That is not a message I have preached a lot. Because with grace, we always say God's for us. He's not going to do anything to harm us. He's on our side. But the idols in your life, they will be attacked by God. Because they are His enemy. Because He is the only one that's truly good. So whatever you are worshiping unauthorized, unauthorized. Don't be surprised when you see that very specific thing shut down. And the reason why God shuts those idols down is because He knows where it leads. It might look great right now, 
But your integrity, it's, it, this is what I, I keep trying to encourage people with their online presence and what they write. And, and uh, everybody, all of you, please hear me. You are welcome to your opinions. I love that you have opinions. It is when we enforce our opinions on others that it becomes damaging. It's when we step out of the character of Christ in our opinions that we damage who we become, who we are supposed to be in a community where we're supposed to be ones that love people unconditionally. We have to be so wise regarding that. And, and what happens is when, when things and people and statements and mandates become our idols, it leads towards death. You might not think right now it's leading there. But if you are depending on them to bring the change that only God can bring, that is where it will go. The consequence of idol worship for them was provision was removed. The things God has been providing, what they've been cre being created to Baal and Asherah for, God is saying, no, I'm going to take that. So, so let's move on to verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And it says, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kareth ravine, east of the Jordan, and you will drink from the brook. And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Interesting. This is such an interesting passage. He said, then the word of the Lord came to him, leave here, turn eastward and hide. It's not, I find it interesting. We'll get into this into another week, but the most powerful God tells his children to hide. That's his instruction, his direct instruction. We need wisdom in every decision that we are making. There's a time for standing. There's a time for hiding. Okay, so, so he says, hide. And he says, I will provide for you while you are hiding. I'm going to use the natural provisions from the brook, the water, but I'm also going to provide for you supernaturally. And he says, I'm going to call on the Raven food truck services. And they will provide, supply food for you every morning and every evening. They are going to bring you a bread and meat sandwich every single day. Now that's not normal. No, it's not. A brook of water? Yeah, makes sense. Go to a brook of water. It's normal. But having birds fly in twice a day to bring you a sandwich? That's not normal. That is supernatural. Every day while there's a drought out there, you have a meal presented to you by waiters in black wings. But what makes this even more amazing, and this is the part that really got to me, and I hope this is going to speak, I'm not going to get to the whole message today at all, so, but I hope this part will speak to you. This is the part that really got in Deuteronomy 14, very interesting chapter in the Bible. It talks about what's unclean and clean. Now, we are still in the Old Testament. Blood of Jesus has not paid to wash everything clean yet. There's, cleansing hasn't happened. So God tells his people specifically, do not mess with the ravens or bats. I thought I'd just throw bats in there because it sounds like very relevant. Um, you may not eat them or mess with them because they are unclean. Clean. Do not mess with raisins. Uh, no, raisins. Don't eat them. Not good for you. What does this tell you about God's provision? Just 
think about it for the moment. So God says, do not mess with the ravens. They're unclean birds. Have nothing to do with them. Do not eat them. Do not mess with them. But this tells me, and this is the part which I, I, I hope that, that we get as a body and as a people, is that God can use hell to bring what heaven wants to bring to you. I love that. Years ago, um, I was part of a meeting um, at a church, two churches ago. Um, that's how pastors speak, how many churches ago. So two churches ago, I was part of, of, a, of a meeting where we were talk, sitting down and we're talking about the funding. The government was giving funding to churches, to charitable organizations. Um, they made it available. And they were debating. Um, I wasn't in leadership. I was just a staff member there. And they were debating whether we should make use of the funding that's been made available to the churches. Um, and they were saying, no, we shouldn't because the money comes from liquor stores tax and from casinos that's being taxed. They're saying, no, we can't use that money. We shouldn't touch it. And I was like, huh. Have you considered what God, now I'm new there, so I anyway raised my hand. Um, I said, have you considered what God says in his word regarding that? Proverbs 13, 22 says the following, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. That's us. Here's another one, Job 27. Though the wicked heap up silver like dust and clothes like piles of clay, what he lays up, the righteous will wear. That's us. And the innocent will, will divide his silver. So, so the riches of the world is being gathered so that the kingdom of God's people can use it to advance God's kingdom. God can use hell to advance heaven. So if God has made a way for us to be blessed without compromising or sinning, God will never ask you to compromise or sin. We will take whatever benefits he's made available to us and we will use it to advance his kingdom. So never box God in because God, he does not sin and God never tells you to sin, but he often uses sinful people to bring about provision his people need. When we moved into this building, now, now I'm talking about, so 12 years ago, um, we were gathering, uh, we just, we left another church um, at that point in time where I was in staff, and um, we, we weren't, planning to, to, uh, weren't planning to plant a church at all. It was still the, the first days. And um, I read The Optimist. I was busy with my studies, um, so I, I read The Optimist, um, and I saw in The Optimist that this school is closing down. And I thought, huh, I'm going to call them and ask if we can rent the school. We don't have a church yet, so just so you know, we weren't planning to. <laughs> there was no plans of starting a church. So I called the, the Delta um, school board and asked, hey, we saw that, that school closed down. Would you be willing to rent the school out? And they went, no, not at all. I go, okay, good, just had to check. Because kind of for me, it was like, you know, yeah, if God wanted us to plant a church, we would get the building. <clears throat> so they said, no, not at all. So we planted the church anyway um, in our home. And we gathered for about two weeks in the beginning of October 2009. And 
the, we went from a few people to almost 80 people in our living room. We, we took out the island to get people into the house so that we can have enough space for everybody. And we figured out fairly quickly, listen, we, we need a space. So I decided, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to call the school again. Because I know they closed down. So, so I called again, and the first same lady that I spoke to said, oh, I'm so glad that you called me because we actually decided last week we're going to make the facility available for rental. I said, that's fantastic. She said, okay, do you want a walkthrough? Yeah, sure, we would love a walkthrough. So, so we met her at the front door of the school building. Everything is locked up. Um, and she introduces herself. I introduced myself. She said, so what do you want to use the school for? And I said, a church. She said, oh, just so you know, I'm an atheist. And don't think you will have any favor or anything because you're a charitable church or anything. There's no favors for you guys. I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. That's fine. Because I know God, God has a plan. So we walk through the building. And I ask a question, hey, do you possibly have any chairs? No. I'm like, oh, sure, okay, there's no problem. Um, do you have any office, you know, maybe tables that's still in here that we could use in an office? No, there's nothing. You have to bring all your own stuff. Like, like really, like harsh. Um, so no problem, no problem. So we started speaking with her and... I started to spend some time with because now we have to work on a contract. We have to put a full proposal ahead of what we want to do, how much we want to pay, how much we're going to use it. Um, so about a month later, so we're in the building. Uh, we get the building, and she said, okay, I want to do a final walkthrough with you. I'm going to show you how the alarms work and everything else. So we meet at the front door again, and she's super friendly, and it's like, so good to see you guys. So glad that you're going to take the facility. Glad that it worked out, and we started walking through the building. She said, hey, did you guys get chairs? I said, no, no, we didn't. We haven't. We'll figure it out. She said, you know what? I think I've got some chairs for you. I'm like, oh, that's great. Thank you. She said, do, do you guys have a sound system yet? I said, no, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. We, we, once we start gathering, I... Might just talk really loud. She said, you know what? I think I've got a sound system for you. Um, and we started talking about the rental agreement. She said, you know what? I was looking at your rental agreement, and um, I know you guys offered $11 a square, but I thought seven is probably a better number for you guys. So the atheist that came out front telling me that there's no favor, she cannot stand against God. God will use the resources of the enemy to advance his kingdom. If he remains our source, if he remains the one that we follow, we will see the miraculous. It's a story about a guy. Uh, you might have heard this before. I, I just love this story. Where he's in a flood, water everywhere, and he's praying, God, please save me. And his neighbor who's divorced that has an alcohol problem shows up in a canoe. says, get in. Um, you know, you're drowning, you're going to drown. He says, no, I've prayed, God will save me. Canoe guy leaves. A few hours later, water level is really high. And the guy that works at the Sikh temple shows up in a ski boat. He says, get in, I've been driving around trying to find people that, that, that are still um, not at a safe spot. He said, no, 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 I'm, I'm fine. I prayed, God will save me. So he drowns. And he shows up in heaven and he's like, God, I'm trying to figure out why didn't you save me? He said, I sent you a canoe and a ski boat. But we box God in. Thinking my salvations only come from another Christian or a Christian organization or, or this or that. God works way greater ways than just Christian organizations. Don't box him in.
Don't limit him. Don't think that the organization is the way that we're going to change things. God will bring the change. Where is your faith and where is your trust? Who is your source? Let's finish off with the ravens quickly. The ravens were unclean. But God is so much God that He even uses the enemy to supply your needs. So, so then what happens is, if you go to the brook, the brook was in Shifra. What happens now is, suddenly this brook dries up. The brook now, there's no more water. And, and j- just I want you to hear me. Your job is a resource. It's not your source. Your bank account is a resource. It's not your source. Your doctor is a resource of wisdom and somebody who are um, studied in a field to help you to get, but it's not your source. Our dependence in every area of our lives should be God is my source. I'm going to use all these resources that He has for me, but He's my source. So now, now the brook dries up, verse 7. Sometimes later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So now he becomes a recipient of the very judgment everyone else is experiencing. God. I'm just trying to, like, uh, we're going to be here for another while if I go into this right now. Um, we, we won't, we, I'm not going to keep you too long. Uh, I know your kids are here also. So, so here's, here's really where I want to go to today. And, and this is for me the key thing. We, we've become a, a society that have a tremendous amount of idols out there. Secular, let's say just secular society. I'm not even talking about Christians yet. Just secular society. There's a tremendous, tremendous amount of, of idols who we are depending upon for our wealth, for our well-being, for our health. And God is saying those idols that you are depending on, I'm coming for them. And now when we get to the church and to the body of Christ, it's no different right now, unfortunately. We paint it with a brush called Christianity, but it's still idol worship. We are still worshiping things and people and organizations and someone who thinks or feels the same, as, same way as we do. But it's Christian, so it has to be good. No, it's still idol worship. If your dependence is not on God for whatever it is, it's an idol. And what will happen is you might see some fruit. There might be some movement. There might be some, you know, things moving in a certain direction. But what will happen is that very thing, it's going to dry up. I can tell you now. And what happens is, and what we've seen, if, if I just take, if I can, I'm going to say a name. If I take Trump two, two years ago, the amount of people that idolized him, and I honestly feel, and this is my opinion, God said, I'm taking that idol from you because you're putting your dependence on a man to bring back Christianity into a nation. I I, I don't need Trump to be good. 
I don't need a conservative party to bring back Christian views and morals. What we need is we need a dependence on God to reveal His power. That's what's going to bring people back to Christ. It's not a political party or a stand. It's our dependence on Him. So our challenge in all of these areas for you and for me is to say, God, I want to repent from my idol worship. Because what happens is um, there's a lady, there's a widow who's suffering from the same consequences as the rest of the nation. Zeropath, the widow of Zeropath. You know what Zeropath was? Where Zeropath was? It was the Baal belt. We've got the, the Bible belt in Abbotsford here in BC. We've got the Bible belt in Texas. There's a strip that's called the Bible belt. More churches, religious, strong, conservative. That's all their views. That's what they It's the Bible belt. Zarephath was known as the Baal belt. It was the main place of Baal worship. So God sends Elijah from where things are drying up next to the brook. I love this. It says, Elijah heard the voice of the Lord. So now he's being taken care of. And, and the reason why I believe it dried up there at that point was because if we're so comfortable with the food truck service and with water and brook, we never enter the world again. Right? God is not calling us into isolation. He wants us to make a difference in people's lives. And what is so amazing is what Ermi said this morning about, I can't remember what you said, but it was really good. Um, <laughs> it was about the principle of giving, looking after somebody else's need and how God will look after. It's in my message. I, uh, part of the message for, for the widow of Zeropath was the following. God sent Elijah to her and said to her, okay, now you're going to go to the Bible, to, to the Baal belt, right into the middle of the ungodly, God sends him to the middle of the ungodly and said, I'm going to find you. There's a widow there who I've instructed to give you food and water. Two natural things. He says to her, hey, give me a cup of water. No problem. Hey, food supply. I need the supernatural again. The same with the birds. So God provides supernaturally to her so that she can provide supernaturally to him. But the first step was the following. If you give it to me first, you will have enough for your children or for your son. If you give it to me first, if your dependence, widow, if your dependence is on the Word of God first, you will see how I will supply for your needs and your son's needs as long as the drought is going to be here. Another few years. Flour won't run out. The oil won't run out. But the principle was, trust me first. Meaning, do not worship the idols of fertility in the city that you are living in. Let go of those idols. Put me first and you'll see how my provision stands out in view. And that's that scripture in Luke 4 that says, you know, um, given will be given to you, pressed down, um, stirred together, shaken, not stirred, martini, tall glass, one olive. Um, you, you know, it sounds like a James Bond slogan. But the principle is when you give, it will be given back to you. If, if you're in a need of encouragement, the principle of this is encourage first and you will see how you will be encouraged. The principle for the widow was trust first and give and you will see how it will be given to you. But the whole thing is about who are you worshiping?
Church, who are we worshiping first? Who are we so nervous that we are wringing our hands? Oh God, how are we going to get out of this thing? Listen, God is God. He's God. If we are faithful in our character, in representing who He is, loving unconditionally, being kind, being generous, forgiving, being gentle, all the fruit that Jesus Christ showed us, man, I'm telling you, we will impact the world more than any organization outside or convoy will. Uh, I want to, again, I've got nothing against a convoy. I think what they are doing is fantastic. These people are standing up for what they believe in. The same way, if you stand up for something that you are convicted about, we support you in that. But don't let it become an idol. We don't worship that. We worship God. Let's pray. I want to ask you, just where you are with your eyes closed, you are the only one that knows if you've elevated things to become idols in your life. Things that's more valuable than your character in Christ. Things that's more valuable than your fellowship with people. Things that's more valuable than your relationships with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family members. Things that have become more valuable to you to stand on these things than represent Christ. If there is anything like that, now is a time for repentance. For saying, God, I'm sorry that I've placed this above you. That I've placed this above who I am supposed to be for people and to people. God, we trust you as our provider. We trust you as our source, our number one source, our wisdom, our insight, our knowledge our path, our direction, how we should walk, what we should do, where we should go. Father, you will never leave us nor forsake us. And like that king that messed it up, we don't want to create other, other idols above you, ahead of you. If you feel comfortable, I want you to say, God, I declare my dependence on you. You are my provider. You are my source. I trust you. Thank you for leading me, for guiding me. We love you, God. And forgive me for depending an unauthorized nouns. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen, everybody. Please hear me. I love all of you guys. Some of you more than others. <laughs> but, but we do. We, we love you. My heart for, for all of us. For you, for me, for my family, for my friends. I want you to be like Elijah by the brook. I want you to experience the natural, but also the supernatural. I want that for your life. There's no better place to be. But we can only experience that when we respond to His voice and to His leading. So I encourage you to do that. We serve an amazing God. He can do miraculous things if we allow Him to. Amen. Thanks.
Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.